0: Stay up on the real culture of Detroit by tuning into the Detroit is different podcast network weekly. Music, art, business, comedy, and never before told stories from the people of Detroit. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop
1: has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe, like, and share on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher to the Piper Carter podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter.
2: Dear Governor Snyder, I sent you to drink the water that Flint drinks. Can you give your kids the water the color of Hennessy? We can't sell these houses. We can't even afford to leave. Dear neighbor, I'm writing in hopes that you care, that I can't breathe, and all these toxins you put in the air, you're killing me, my son's so out of breath, he can't chase his dreams, diagnosed with asthma, age three, with all this soot on his lungs, blacker than me, dear Mr. Marathon, you're killing me, pollution fills my eyes, but I can still see, so if I'm poor, you care, ask for me. But that doesn't mean that I'm worthless. Created in God's image, we all perfect. I know people that went to the hospital and never made back. Suck, filled lungs, all black. A whole generation with respiratory infections and asthma attacks. Mr. Marathon, you're killing me. Why you out here trying to save the world? Who gon' save me? Who, 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 who gon' save me? You know you're killing me. Tell nobody, yeah. Killing me Who gon' care for me This you're killing me Don't so know care. Killing me I can't tell my house I can't gonna save me? what do not know this house Next like, to these factories Who Don't know care. Killing me hey. Marathon. I'm yeah. right across the street. You know, 4 a I'm right here. Your government. Why you trying to save the world? Who gonna save me? Poison fills the air. Then takes over trees. There's poison in the grass. That's what the cows eat. Then you chop it all up and then you feed it to me. Oil refinery. U.S. still killing me. You them, you're Killing me. Cause I'm poor You can't ask for me But that doesn't mean That I'm worthless Created in God's image We all perfect Then miss the marathon Killing me Tell nobody care Killing me Who gon' care for me This way Killing me Tell nobody care Killing me I can't sell my house I can't afford to lay. Who gon' buy this house Next to these factories is hoop, hoop, hoop. Killing me.
3: Killing me. So we're back and it is Detroit is different with Piper Carter on the Piper Carter podcast. So, um, how you doing, Brittany?
1: I'm doing good, Piper. What's up
3: with you? I'm good. I'm good. Our token millennial. Um <laughs> and then you know what? Um, we talk so much <clears throat> about um. Like a lot of social justice issues and hip hop and all types of stuff in the community. Yes. And so um, we we had a conversation. I want to say probably like it was like two months ago about voting or about civic engagement. And um, can you talk about like what did you say at that time before we bring our guest in? Because I I wanted her to hear that. Because I'm going to frame the conversation before we bring her in.
1: So you got to promise not to judge me. No No judgment. judgment. All right, cool. So, um, I'm 28. I have voted uh, at every opportunity that I've had to vote. And uh, when it comes to black collectivism in 2018 and prior, I have not run across... uh, Don't know much about it. So, I'm talking off of feeling and gut. But I just have not run across historically where... Uh, In the presidential elections, in terms where the black collective in the community has been pushed forward. It seems like if I reach back into time, it would, you know, I could put any date on it, it would feel the same for black people, not necessarily with the rights to vote, but even when we're at our strongest, you see who's on my shirt, um, the black collective doesn't move forward. The way that it should with the amount of potential that we have now, I just think by nature we're meant to exist and we're a powerful being in the universe. So I think that our existence is no, uh, it's no surprise, but I think that if, um, we did the right things more consistently, we would be in, in a position that we can't even imagine. So with that being said, I don't know in 2018 and, uh, with, It being the age of information, if black vote matters the way that it could possibly matter for us if we were together more. So I don't know if our culture really needs to vote to be better.
3: Okay, so I wanted her to start with that, because that's kind of like a sentiment, right? Like in general, and that, and uh, and so I wanted to bring that in as we, as I introduce our, um, our amazing guest. And so uh, Michigan Voice is a great organization um, that does work around um, voter, more like voter education and mobilizing folks um, to be registered and bring and calling folks in. I'll say like calling folks into the process and a lot of education around um, the issues. Uh, it's nonpartisan, so it's not like promoting, um, you know, be Democrat or vote for this mm. candidate or, you know, that kind of thing. It's more around, um, you know, what 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 do you need to learn about these issues so that, you know, as it pertains to you um, and what are, you know. What what are the issues that are, you know, that are impacting you? And then how do you fully understand these policies and things that are impacting you? Right. And so um, with that, I wanted to bring um, Melanie Melanie in because you work with Lacey Dawson at uh, Michigan Voice and then pronounce your last name one more time for me.
4: It's Melanie McElroy
3: McElroy Okay, Melanie McElroy you so much I see,
4: for having me I've, I'm really excited to be here I've been looking forward to this Yeah, yeah I see you too. in the
3: office all the time And so when I come by there all the time and kick it with you mm. guys And so um, Melanie is like in the streets She's in the mm. office She is a hard worker And uh, makes a lot of things happen So let's do this Tell us about Tell us first just about Michigan Voice All right Like in general
4: Well, I think you did a great job of describing it. We are a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization, so that means we do not support any particular uh, party, any candidate, any campaign. What we're here to do is make sure that folks in the community Understand how democracy works or does not work and how we can build power in black and brown and immigrant communities collectively Mm. to try to change the system so that it does take care of our communities the way that we need to. Um, So that takes a lot of different forms around election time, like we've got one coming up now. Uh, We do a lot of voter registration. Um, My particular expertise is in election protection and voters' rights. We've got people out there who don't understand Understand that they have the right to vote. They don't know what it means, what the importance is of casting that vote. And I have—I definitely won't judge you, Brittany, because I have heard everything from "our votes don't matter." Uh, I've voted for 30 years, and my life hasn't changed. Mm. Um, I came out for Barack Obama. He was there for eight years, and my house is still falling apart. My lights aren't on on my block. My kid's school got closed, Um, and. That's a really common sentiment. I mean, people are feeling like, I mean, it's hard to trust the system right now. We had folks who voted against an emergency manager and got one anyway. Mm. Uh, we had people who came out and really tried to get their neighbors to elect a certain person for president in 2016, and they got someone else anyway. Even though your city or your county may have gone one way, the whole country went another way. So you just feel like it's not worth all of the effort of getting excited about elections if we seem to be losing and losing and losing on uh, the community side of things. So. We've, we're finding new ways, new folks to talk to. I think we've really cracked the code at Michigan Voice this year. We're doing a lot more conversations of that meet people where they're at. So we're talking a lot in church basements. We are at barbershops. We're at... Uh, community meetings. We are mm-hmm. uh, on podcasts. We're talking to folks who already have a network and an audience um, because I think that's where political parties and campaigns go wrong is they expect everyone to show up at their rallies and they show, expect everyone to show up on election day. And it's like, no, you're not the first thing on people's minds um, mm-hmm. just because you think about the community once every two years when you knock a door. Right. Um, they're, they're not there. So you got to meet folks where they're at. Um, at schools, We've got, we're putting up posters in Laundry at liquor stores um, at bus stops where people are just trying to live their daily life yeah. and uh, and we're, we're hearing a lot of great stories meeting a lot of great people um, and and helping to support and incubate small community organizations around places like Detroit yeah
3: mm-hmm. so okay so this is this is all great stuff, right yeah so the reason I wanted um, to bring Michigan voice on here is because myself and Lacey have been having this conversation. I want to say for maybe like three or four years now, something like that. And basically the conversation is around exactly what you were talking about. Right. So you've got the folks that are like, you need to vote because your ancestors died. But then you've got folks that are like, but why should I just vote just because people died to vote? If, I feel that my my voice doesn't count, right? And that's, like, a real thing. And you brought some of the, you know, folks voted against the EAA. They got one anyway. They voted against the emergency manager. They got one anyway. The emergency manager uh, ruined the school system, you know, ruined the schools, ruined the water, right? Like, uh, I mean, and it was Detroit and, you know, and and, and things we saw in Flint, right? We have poison water because Mm of um, this decision to have, an emergency manager, and Governor Snyder deciding to shift the, you know, water source, right, Um, for economic reasons, when he clearly and his wife are co-owners of Nestle that pays, like, $200 a year to drain the Detroit River. And they're still charging Flint residents that were poisoned back you know water like water bills for poison water right so they don't even have forgiveness on those bills so just nefarious stuff like that and this dude is like still in office right he's still so called powerful Um, he decided that he's going to um, cut off the water they were getting the water bottles So he's decided he's going to cut that, right? He's like, oh, we fixed the system. It's not fixed. Like, it's still poison. The system is still trash. It doesn't work. The pipes are still corroded. And he's going to cut off their water supply. So we know that the powers that be have really terrible things in store for us, like prisons instead of schools um, or prisons instead of jobs, right? Um, Or jobs in the prison, Right. And so, you know, in our communities, um, we have we are we are um, living under these oppressive policies and it's like a conundrum. It's like a double edged sword because it's like, okay, uh, folks are saying that they don't feel empowered to vote, but then the policy is like got its foot in your neck. Mm-hmm. So you're still like living the policy. You're still living the the impact of the policy, whether you decide to have an impact on whether that policy can even exist or not. Right. Or be rewritten or be thrown out or something else be in its place. So I wanted to have you guys on here. One, because you do great work. Mm. Two, because we have a primary coming up. Three, because we got to look to 2020. Mm. <laughs> Four, Because you do great work.
4: Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)
3: You know, five because you're great people. Six because you keep it real. And I'll say this. I go to the office a lot. And, you know, we just kick it like sometimes. I'll just come in there because you're in one of those um, buildings where different community organizations have offices. Right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'm going to other meetings and I'll just pop into the office like, hey, what's up, guys? That sounds like a cool environment. It's a beautiful environment and um I mean I'm also a table partner. Mm-hmm.
4: You yes. know, so I'm
3: also at the table. Um at the table. we'll talk about that. But I I just, you know, um I definitely wanted to have a conversation about voting and I wanted to bring you guys on. Because it's because you guys bring a different conversation to the voting conversation. Like you said, you guys are not here talking about, oh, you need to be you need to vote Democrat because if you vote for the Green Party, you waste your vote or you're not there talking about, you know, oh, well, you guys need to vote for Hillary Clinton, Mm. you know, because she's a woman. You know what I mean? Regardless of if she respects black women or not. Or do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's like what we and we have real conversations and a lot of times when I wanna get like clear on an issue or something like that, I might just come through That's what's up. and be like, Hey, like, Lacey, what do you think about this? You know what I mean? And then it's like, Oh, well this or that or um like most recently, which recently meaning um before the primary, um, and I wanted you to talk about this a little bit there was a petition that was announced late to the community, but it was announced like a long, what was it was a year ago or top of the year and it got announced late to the community. And then folks were rushing around trying to, and it was to um, get folks on the charter commission, right? To like, exactly. to, uh, to change the Detroit city charter, which is like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, folks were informed about it. Well, certain folks were informed about it late and they were like, Oh, well you can, you can, what was it? Like they changed the amount of signatures that they needed.
4: Yeah, yeah. The the city clerk actually made it easier for people to gather signatures. They were only given, I think it was 72 hours to gather these signatures to make it on the ballot because not enough people were coming forward to try to get on the ballot to warrant a primary election. Uh, so she decided she'll, as many people as could gather signatures could be on in the general ballot and, uh, I know of a handful of people who are friends of, of ours in the community who were able to make it on. Yeah. I know of a much bigger handful of people who are friends of the mayor who were able to make it on. Yeah,
3: but they um, knew a lot sooner.
4: And Right, and that's the thing, is that when people aren't engaged, we don't have folks in office in the city right now that are openly posting information and making it very accessible to the people and who are coming into the community every week and making sure we're all up to speed on what we need to Mm. know. And that's not all their fault. I mean, they have a lot of work to do and Mm -hmm. we can't expect them to do all of that research for us. But until someone's there to fill that gap, I think Michigan Voice, what we're trying to do is make sure that people in the community know what the opportunities are to be active in our democracy. Um, Because I tell people all the time that it's not so much that we're we need to be this broken record of, well, let's fix this broken democracy, because guess what? It's not really broken. It's working exactly as it was designed. Right. It just wasn't designed for any of us. Right. Green. And so how do you see yourself in those rooms? Because I can tell you in the the work that I've done and uh, the places I've studied and, and, and done different political things, uh, the reform issues. I've been in a lot of rooms that make a lot of really important decisions that mm. affect people's lives. And there are never representatives of community in those spaces.
3: Interesting. ever.
4: And so we need to just wedge our way in there however possible. And the Charter Commission could have been an opportunity for us to do that mm. had we had time to plan or had we had that on our radar. Yeah. And many of us did not.
3: Well, let me tell you, I'm going to tell everybody a quick story because I always tell stories. So the first thing I'll say Um, politics is boring. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) Like, like trying to pay attention to all the issues, like trying to watch the news, like trying to be up on stuff. Let's just be real. It's much more fun to see, like, you know, if you go on YouTube and find out what happened between Cardi B and Nicki Minaj, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's way more interesting. And so, especially if it's like, you know, you're getting foreclosed on, your water gets cut off, they've shut down your school, like, you know, just the, you know, DTE bill, it's just, come. so it's like, you know what, I'm not trying to figure this out, I am going to watch this and, 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 and find another way to like, you know, live and be so that I'm not, you know, bogged down. I mean, and that's just one aspect, right? So, hmm. Part of what I feel that Michigan Voice does really, really well is make it accessible, and like be able to have these really complex conversations around issues, and then put them in plain language. So the story I wanted to tell you is, um, I, I watch C-SPAN, right? One of the most boring things you could ever watch. Uh, it's 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 like the one hundred. 80 degree opposite of, like, a music video. <laughs> like, C-SPAN is terrible. But C-SPAN, if you ever could, like, spend some time, it's like reading the Wall Street Journal or anything like that, right? It's like, if you have, if, if you could, like, put C-SPAN on, like, somewhere and just, like, let it play and kind of keep it going while you do other things, hmm. that's kind of what I, what I do, you will learn so much because, like, a plethora like completely so much information goes on on C-SPAN but the way that they talk on there is like drones <laughs> on in monotone and it's like and, it, and it'll be like really difficult to follow and then the language so anyway um, some years ago it was it was uh, I believe around 2012 and um, I was watching C-SPAN and um in brief, there was a, um, I believe it was a bill, right? And so when um, they show these different, you know, these different scenes, if you will, right? When they're on the, the Senate floor or the House floor, when they show this, they're, you're basically just looking at, like, a real-time <laughs> video for, like, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So long story short... Um, imagine if someone just took a video camera and just stuck it, which, which is what it is, right? They just stick it there. So sometimes it's a really exciting day and, you know, sometimes people come to work because, like, a lot of times these senators and, um, and, and representatives and things, a lot of times they don't even freaking come to work. You know what I mean? Which is a problem, which is problematic. So a lot of these people that are elected officials, they don't even, like, actually show up to, like, do their job. So, when you watch C-SPAN a lot, you'll get to see, like, who's coming in and sitting in these seats every single day. Like, who's sitting in on these decisions. Like, what type of decisions are being made. Like, you know, what what the outcomes and things are. But, like, this one particular time, there was this one. Um, a, it was an act. I'm sorry. It's not a bill. It was an act. And um, it was on the floor. And so, basically... Um, there so you know you have the kind of like super protocol right so um and then and then they have breaks and then they have lunch and then they might have like multiple issues going on at the same time and then they have to you know do the certain protocol to like interrupt to like ask for the floor to like speak and that kind of mm-hmm. thing and so at this one particular time they were talking about this one one bill or act or whatever in particular and um then the chair, you know, it's like, okay, well, so the chair recognized. So one of the gentlemen was like, you know, basically he's like, excuse me, I just got something really brief that I just want to put on the floor. So imagine they're already talking about this one law or bill or act or whatever they're trying to get through. And then he just rolls up like, hey, look, I just got this real quick one. And... um if we could just get to this one real quick, I'll just get like, let me get this one real quick and I'll just get right out your way. And I mean, but he didn't say it like that, but it's more like, you know, do you yield and all this kind of stuff? So then he asks on the floor, you know, for the gentleman that was presenting previously. He's like, what, you know, is it, is it cool? You know, can I, can I interrupt and get this through? He's like, sure. Because he was kind of droning on in his thing. And, um, He puts it forth, and I don't remember the number, but whatever number it is, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five, point, seven, three, two, whatever. So, um, he's like, so the chair is like, okay, um, such and such, you know, is, is, uh, this, this act or bill of law or whatever is on the floor, um, is it recognized, yes, um, all agree and then people yeah, sure whatever you know it's like no one even says like you know he's like anyone oppose no one oppose he's like okay boom so act blah 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 is pushed through it it wins and do you know what that was? What was it? The indefinite detention bill. Stop. Wow. The indefinite detention bill. I mean I didn't learn, learn it till later cause you know I'm like a nerd like that and follow that crap but yeah indefinite detention bill if you don't know what um the indefinite detention bill is it means that you can be detained indefinitely for an in- indefinite reason for an indefinite amount of time which means that you're not mirandized you're held you're not owed a phone call you no no one needs to be notified that you've been detained they can keep you like i said for an indefinite reason meaning like there it doesn't have to be any it doesn't have to be related to any like legal reason it could be an indefinite reason and and what they were using that for initially was the so-called catch i'm putting catch in like air quotes um so-called immigrants and undocumented folks in um Arizona mm. and that's where that's where that kind of that's where that actually like originated and they were like oh we need to actually put that in the federal, like, that needs to be, like, some—that's that, that that's hot right there. Like, we need that on a federal level. And so that's how that actually got pushed through. Wow. That, was, that was Obama. Obama pushed that through. So it made it to Obama, and he had an opportunity to say—or veto it, or whatever the word is called, to say, like, no, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't want it. And he pushed—he signed it. That's one of the—that's one of the— ones that was, like, a death blow. I mean, there have been many. But the indefinite detention bill, if people are thinking that that doesn't have anything to do with them, hmm. what what that has allowed, if you've, if you've been on the streets, and especially in the hood, if you've noticed the escalation in um, stops, in being traffic stops, if you've noticed the escalation in um, police being able to just randomly go, you know, frisk people, um, at, at random traffic stops, um, it, if you've noticed, um, where, uh, police will stop you, um, and then they'll, uh, they don't, they don't give you, um, a reason why they stop you, um, they don't, because now under that, um, if you could be a so-called suspected terrorist, and so if if under the discretion, right, of the officer. And and I mean officer meaning like it could be a city police, it could be county, it could be border patrol. Mm. You know, it could be any 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 it could be FBI, you know, any level whenever they want to decide that they that you're going to be a criminal, then they could just throw it's like playing spades and you have like the blind joker you know what I'm saying it's like having a big joker in spades it's basically like having a big joker in spades in your hand so at any, it could be anything at any time whenever they feel like it. it's like oh if, if, if they just if they just really want to put that on you then they could put that on you and and basically you have no recourse for that you would need like big, big bank bunk you know big money to like fight against that Mm. Because you're basically fighting against, like, like an invisible ghost, right? How do you prove that you're not a terrorist? I mean, what's the process for proving that you're not involved in any—you understand what I'm saying? Yes. In, in any terrorist. So, um, so that's—and and, and how that relates, because I know a lot of people are thinking, like, well, I've been in this country my whole life. That doesn't have anything to do with me. Well, there was an incident— I want to say probably like four years ago here in Detroit um, on the west side where the police were looking for a guy and they went to the wrong house. But they were able to drag him out of the house because they said that they were looking for a fugitive under the indefinite detention bill. Right. They end up murdering this guy. Right. Right there, like in front of everyone. And long story short, um, the guy was like a non-violent offender, if you will. He was a drug dealer. OK. And I know, you know, we could call drug dealers violent or not violent. But let's just say he didn't have violence on his record. His record was selling drugs. Right. And so um, in terms of policy, they changed the policy on the amount of uh cocaine or whatever right that you can have on you before you are labeled a violent offender and so they reduced the amount that you have to have on you to be labeled a violent offender wow so if you're labeled a violent offender and when i say labeled i don't mean like nah, nah, you're a violent mm-hmm. offender i mean like an actual label right. that goes on your record that follows you like a tag so if you're labeled a violent offender Right. And that comes in front of someone. Like, what does that mean, per se? That means you need to be dealt with. Right. In a certain way. And they're starting to deal with these so-called violent offenders under all these so-called like terrorist acts or terrorist laws. And so indefinite detention bill is one of them. There are plenty. There's a long list of them under like Patriot Act, where they all first came from. But I'm saying that to say that when people say that this doesn't impact me and when I vote, it doesn't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. But the level of um, criminality and policing that happens in black and brown communities just on a regular basis, just a basic traffic stop just a basic encounter right. with the police. Those things can be dealt with through policies. They're being dealt with now through policies. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, those are actual policies, so they're able to really, you know, dehumanize you because they ha- they have put policies in place so the stuff they're doing is legal now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that I just wanted to kind of put that out there that, like, it's really important to, like, talk about the things that are important to people so that people can be called in to like really understand their connection to being able to change policies because I think that that's where people are looking Agreed. at it. Like, what could I do about that? I can't do nothing about no police when if we can get some of these policies Absolutely. changed, right? Then, I mean, and, and I know people are, I know there's people sitting there
1: thinking like, this chick is crazy. No, but the truth <laughs> is, is that, a lot of people, a lot of people's perception of government and change comes through presidential elections. People, I don't think, really understand or have the insight on what they can do locally. Like I think that, I think that um, this is more than powerful because there is a collect- a collective of what you guys are doing that seems to just be laying the foundation on. Everything when it comes to voting, because he, like that's what I honestly I honestly need, and after just doing some research on the um local election for now, it's super powerful with what's going on mm-hmm. and so I think people need to kind of understand they need to take a look at government more on a local level there's a ton, there's tons of people that don't even understand it, including myself well also
3: like, too like, uh, well also too, just real brief that that same law. That, crimin- that criminalized that sh- smaller amount of cocaine to, like, name someone a, a criminal—I'm sorry, a, a violent offender. I'm s- violent offenders also, at, I think it was 2016, I think it's 2015, 2016, um, that was when um, it was decided—they created another policy where— uh, people labeled as a violent offender cannot receive food assistance. Mm. So if you go to prison, if a person goes to prison and they come out of prison, I mean, it, to me, it's a no brainer that that person probably needs food assistance. Right. Because uh, we the, the, the reason we have high levels of recidivism is um, they say because people go back to their environment. But it's really because they tax these People, when when people come out of prison, mm-hmm. they have to pay this parole officer. Where does that money come from? Nobody wants to hire an ex-felon, right? No one wants, you know, that it's, it's, it's really difficult for them to find meaningful employment that's going to pay them a livable wage. And so they end up getting kind of jerked around, doing a lot of under the table work and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then here you have a policy that says you can't even get like food assistance, which is like something super basic. So what mm-hmm. do you think is going to happen if a person comes out and they're not even able to like take care of their basic needs? They, they are going to go back. Why? Because prison is now big business. It's for and profit. It's for profit, and corporations make money off of it, and they, they want to keep bodies in that system.
4: That's right.
3: And, and so I'm, say, I'm saying that to say that the same people who keep saying that they don't vote because none of this stuff is impacting them or it don't matter to them, are the very people that are most impacted by mm. the policies. Mm-mm. You're totally
4: right, Piper. And one thing that I hear a lot is people, oh, I'm taking a break from politics. It's just too hectic right now. It's too noisy. It's too, like, it's it's breaking up my family. It's breaking up my friend group. I just mm. don't even want to hear, I don't even listen to NPR anymore. And what I remind people is that you may choose not to be political, but your landlord's gonna be political. Your mm-hmm. insurance company is gonna be political. Your employer is gonna be political. Your mm-hmm. parole officer is gonna be political. Yeah. Every single entity that rules any part of your life or that keeps you down or that keeps you in some form of bondage is there politically. Right. And they're gonna make sure their agenda passes. So you gotta make sure that yours is there too. And I wanna circle this back to voting rights because one of the biggest misconceptions in Michigan is that felons don't have the right to vote. And in Michigan, you can vote with a felony, you can vote on parole, you can vote on probation, and you can even vote in jail if you're awaiting trial mm. for wow. awaiting conviction. You can vote absentee from a county jail. And folks don't know this. And unfortunately, we've got parole officers and parole agencies who are giving people the wrong information. Mm. So I've talked to people who for 40 years have not voted because they thought their felony prohibited them from voting. Mm. And it's just not true. In other states, I'm only speaking for Michigan, because in Texas, you'll get sent back for another five years if they, you get caught voting wow. with a felony. Yes. And so it's very common for folks to bunk up with people from other states. And so it's very common for information to get spread from one friend to another. And you aren't aware that in your home state, actually, once you get back, you might have the right to vote. So the most important thing, if anyone could just remember one message from today, is that felons can vote in Michigan. And if someone has told you otherwise, contact Michigan Voice, contact Piper. We'll make sure that you get the right uh, written information so that you can... uh, Not only advocate for yourself, but tell other people that they have the right to vote. You have the right to register at the city clerk's office, at the county clerk's office, um, at the secretary of state's office when you get a driver's license. Um, But I should also add that probably the second most confusing thing about voting rights in Michigan is that people think if they don't have a driver's license, which we know folks all over the city don't have driver's licenses for whatever reason, that you can't vote. And that's not true. And that's not true. You can vote no matter what your insurance looks like. You can mat- vote no matter what your foreclosure process looks like. You can vote if you are completely homeless or transient.
3: What if your water cut off?
4: You can vote if your water's cut what off. What if you
3: lose your house? You
4: can vote if you lose your house.
3: What if you're homeless? You, you just can need vote. some type of piece of identification. All you right? need
4: to do when you register to vote is if you have a social security number, you can use the last mm. four digits of that. If you have a driver's license, you can use the digits of that. Um, And then what happens when you go to vote, if you don't have a driver's license, all you do is you ask them for an affidavit, which is right there on the same piece of paper, you got to write your name on anyway to get your ballot, you flip that over, and by signing your name on that, you identified yourself through your signature, because they have your signature on file. At the state already. And so they're just using that same signature and they will hand you a normal ballot. You don't have to have a special ballot. You don't have to have an embarrassing ballot in the corner, a provisional, anything like that. You, you can vote with a regular ballot without a photo ID. So if the two things stick with you and nothing else today, uh, you can vote with a felony. On parole, on probation, or in jail awaiting trial, and you do not need a driver's license in order to vote in Michigan. But hurry up if you're not registered, because October 9th, next Tuesday, a week from today, is the last day to register to vote if you want to vote on November sixth of this year. It's we've got a weird law in Michigan again. If we paid attention to policy, we could change that because other states allow you to vote to register to vote much closer to the election or on election day. Wow. That's just one of the barriers that we have. Because guess what? what to everybody who doesn't like voting or has never voted or doesn't see the importance of it that was not your idea the other side the oppressor does not want you to vote they never did
3: so let's talk about that because um you know i think i was having a conversation with Lacey and i've seen videos about it but long story short um we see a lot of voter suppression we see a lot of voter intimidation we see it we see like a lot of like i want to say people in texas lying talking about um, voter fraud.
4: Mm-hmm. Like in real life,
3: let's be real. People ain't exist. No voter fraud. It does not. I mean, just let's let's. Well, what's, what's I want people fraud? to think about it.
4: So when people say voter fraud, that what they're tr- the narrative that they're trying to promote is that there are people who don't have the right to vote who are outcasting ballots. So there are people voting in their dead grandma's name, there are people who are not citizens of the United States getting registered and going out and voting in droves. We have no data to support any of this. And what we have in fact, is a lot of sloppy clerical errors that are happening at the Secretary of State and Clerks offices, mm. where when someone who is not a citizen but maybe is a green card holder, my mom was one her whole life, a lot of people just come over here, marry someone from the States, for whatever reason, don't get to go through the whole citizenship process, but you have a green card, you have a driver's license, you have a social security number, you're working, you're living your life. Uh, because you went through that process to get those other government documents, primarily your driver's license, in Michigan, they match the DMV Uh, File for people with driver's licenses with the voter file. Um, That's called Motor Voter. So when you go to get your driver's license, they'll ask you if you want to register to vote. And because those two lists are so close together in the database, sometimes people who have driver's licenses just get automatically put on the voter registration list, even if they didn't ask for it. So a person who's not a citizen of this country can accidentally get sent materials saying you've been registered to vote. This is where you show up. This is what you do. Here are your candidates. And then they get put in the voter act activation network, the VAN, which is what we campaigns and nonprofits use to remind people to vote. So then we're showing up to their doors and calling them and reminding them to go out to vote. So who are they to think that they don't have the right to vote if they were put on a list accidentally? And unfortunately, if a person in that circumstance is caught voting, not only are they committing a felony, they uh, are risking deportation, they're risking any sort of process to become a citizen in the U.S. And that all happened because of a clerical error. So that's why it's really important to see who we're electing to secretary of state. That's going to be up in November, who we elect to city clerk and county clerk. Those will be up in a couple of years um, because these are the people that handle the sensitive information. And unfortunately, the other side takes one instance in which they can find something went wrong. And they try to put the attention on that because mm. what they want to do is expand these Jim Crow laws that we've got never, we never got rid of them. They're just changing a little bit in the way that they look. It might not be a man with a bat and a dog standing outside of a polling place, but it will be the fact that you have to register 30 days before an election, even though campaign ads don't run sometimes until a week before the election, or someone might not come to your door trying to get you excited about a, a candidate until a week before the election. But if you're not registered, it's too late. So there's a lot that we could be doing in Michigan to modernize our elections, to make them easier, to make them uh, more engaging of our citizenry. We could be making it easier for students to vote. We could have online voter registration, which mm. some states have. We don't. You got to do it in person. You got to do it in the mail, fill out a piece of paper. Um, So these are all intentional barriers that we have to the ballot box. And when you think about this being a fundamental right as an American, why do you have to jump through a million hoops just To cast your ballot, whether it's a long line on election day, because they purposely don't put out enough booths for everybody, or they don't anticipate how many people are going to turn out, or the machines break and nobody quickly goes to fix them. Mm. There's just a lot that can happen. And not all of it is evil and plotted by one political party or another. (laughs) It's just the way that our polling places are managed. If Mm. you can get people, millions of people in and out of Space Mountain on Disney World, or in Disney World, uh, in a matter of 30 minutes, why can't we get voting? voters through a polling place, filling out their ballots, putting them in the optical scan machine and out with their I Voted stickers in less than three hours.
3: Well, so, okay, so that brings me to this other thing. Um, voting for people who don't vote or don't participate or who don't read or who are not engaged or who don't care can be like pretty difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about November. Let's talk about um the different like what what all is up
4: what's at stake Let's yeah what, what
3: what's up what's up with November
4: so just because there is not a presidential candidate on the ballot um that's why this is called a midterm election because we're halfway through the president's first term um That does not mean that there is not important stuff going on. I often argue that there is actually more important stuff going on because this is when we really focus on our state. And if you followed any kind of news in the last five years, our state's not doing so well. Um, We've got problems that stem from emergency managers. We already talked about Flint. We've got the same problems here in Detroit. We've got poisoned water in Kalamazoo. Um, We've got... People in different levels of power that have really acted to suppress communities of color across the state um, and working people and poor people all around. So what we need to focus on is um, from the very top. All three of our statewide seats, so that's the governor, the attorney general, and the secretary of state, those are completely term-limited positions. So the folks who are there already served their eight years. They can't run again, so they're open. So no matter who wins, it's a new person. But I think both political parties in that sense have had the opportunity to show their colors. So at this point, there's a lot of information that folks can read up on both sides when you go to vote, you have to choose. Um, back in the day, we had a... Back in the day, I say that. Up until last year, <laughs> we had straight party voting right. where you could just select, oh, I'm a Republican. I'm just going to fill one bubble and that'll automatically count everyone on that side or I'm a Democrat or I'm a Green Party or a Libertarian. Now, because they noticed that too many people that the people in power liked were winning, they took away that right. So now when you get to the ballot, you won't be able to just fill one for everything. So you got to go through and individually check each name and you're actually allowed to, not in the primary, but in the general election on November 6th, you're allowed to vote for people from different parties, um, not for the same office, but if you like one for one and another for another, that's up to you. Um, But the governor, secretary of state, and attorney general are all very important open seats Um, From there, we are reelecting a U.S. Senate seat. We've got congressional seats, state house, state senate. People don't even realize that we have our own little Washington, D.C. in Lansing, where we have a a Senate for Michigan. We have a House of Representatives for Michigan. We have a Supreme Court for Michigan. um, And all of those are up in Lansing and make a lot of really important decisions that affect us every day. I don't know if you all paid attention a couple days ago, they finally actually repealed the driver's responsibility fee and made it so that anyone who currently is paying a driver's responsibility fee or does not have a driver's license because it was suspended due to that fee, which was just a tax on poverty. There was no other reason for that. It was terrible. Yeah, the state needed to raise some money, and so they decided to prey on poor people. And in turn, folks lost their licenses, which got them in more trouble, lost them their jobs, uh, affected their families. So that was a, a policy change that was made in Lansing. I think it was conveniently made at a time when people are looking to the election and what parties do what. So it -hmm. it might've been a power play, but either way it helped a lot of people. Um, So, so many of these positions at the statewide level have nothing to do with who's in Congress in DC, have nothing to do who the president is, but you'll notice that whatever's happening in DC will trickle down into our states and into our counties and Mm -hmm. into our cities. And so I think For people who are feeling some kind of way about the current president, um, about his cabinet and his decision making, there is a whole slate of people he has endorsed in Michigan who are here to do the exact same thing to us at every level, who have committed to passing laws in Michigan that will definitely please corporations, that will definitely please wealthy people in our state and in our city, uh, and and will definitely aim to oppress everybody else. Uh, We can make no guarantees, but that's what they're already out promising. So if you don't know that much about each candidate, look at who's endorsed them. Look at who they're hanging out with. Look who they're posting Mm -hmm. pictures with. I mean, if you've got someone posting pictures with Ted Nugent, who is not only a flaming racist, but a woman abuser and just an all-around pretty gross guy maybe I wouldn't feel so good about the person who he is endorsing. So that's one thing that people can do. Um, Nowadays, everybody has Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow the campaigns on there. Sometimes I've found that you can get a little bit more personal with the candidate that way. If they're going on live, if they're talking about how they personally feel about issues, um, that might be an easier way to really get to know them. Um, And we're going all the way down to... Local representatives that only represent your neighborhood and a couple of neighboring neighborhoods. So, shout out to Sam, right? District 6. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. And so, there are opportunities where you can actually get out and hang out with these candidates. They're going to be holding. Uh, Forums. They're going to be holding town halls. They're going to be knocking doors in your neighborhood. And I, for one, am too busy to take a lot of the phone calls that I get from <laughs> robots coming up on election day. But if I didn't know about the candidates, that would be a really great time to actually hold them accountable to the things that I care. So, if I vote for you, then what are you going to do for me? What? what how do you feel about these issues? I'm having pr- trouble with my children's school. I'm having trouble with the quality of my water. I'm having trouble finding a job because I have a felony and. There's a checkbox that I have to fill out when I go to apply for a job. and Ban that's keeping, the box. Precisely. That's policy right there. And that, that can happen at the city level. That should be happening at the state and national level. So these, if, if we're not doing our job and telling candidates what we want to see in our neighborhoods, then it'll be much easier for them to turn around and listen to the lobbyists and the corporations that are cutting them way fatter checks than we can. Mm. I don't know about you, Piper. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I sure can't cut anyone a check this year. But they're going to listen to whoever is giving them policies to pass so one thing that community can do is when we're going through this sample ballot which if you go to mi.gov slash vote not only can you find where your polling place is but you can also download a sample ballot so you can follow along and find out who you're going to vote for i would even print it out and fill the bubbles out so that you can get in and out on election day a lot faster. Mm. If you've got your cheat sheet with you, that's highly recommended. Um, But go through and find out where you can meet these people because many of them will be coming, if not to your home, they will be coming very close. And one big mistake that I think a lot of us made when Barack Obama was elected, for example, was we were so excited that there was the first black president. We were so excited that everybody did something to help him up along the way. (laughs) And that day after the election... We were all a little bit hungover, all a little bit still high from the experience, that we went back home. And we did not follow him to the White House. We did not go knock right. on his door on day one and say, hey, just remember right. that we've got felons back at home that need you. Right. We've got immigrants in detention centers counting on you. And we let the other side be the ones knocking on his door and making deals and negotiating yeah. with him. And so that that's not just for the president. That's for city council. That's for your local prosecutor. That's for your county clerk. You need to make sure that you have communication regularly with all of these people, because if you're not holding them accountable, I mean, you just sort of, you casted your vote and then you went home and that's not being an active participant in democracy. I think voting is a really important part of it, but the way that the system was set up was for them to listen to somebody. And I won't mm, say that they're all doing a good job of listening to the a community, good but they, they're not they're not geniuses, let me tell you. I've met a lot of these people. Mm, They're just right. regular mm. people who happen to get into these positions. So they don't come with a, with a stack of model bills ready to pass. They come right. just to, to they come and sit down, open the, their computer, open their pen and wait for their first meeting. And if the first meeting is not with us, it's going to be with Monsanto or Dow yeah,
3: or yeah. Dan yeah.
4: Gilbert or whoever's got the money of course, to right? get in there. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, I got so, so many
1: questions, man.
3: Well, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about November. <laughs> What's on the table for November? What are, we, what are, we, what are the policies that are... So, uh, can you start
1: with the governor? Because that yeah. seems, for me, it's the most interesting. Mm-hmm. i never so, seen nothing like it.
4: Yeah, so the governor, I mean, a lot of people know Rick Snyder's name because he's been governor for eight years, and he was there during all of this Flint water crisis. He
3: poisoned all those people.
4: He and his cabinet were responsible for that, and no one has faced criminal charges for what happened. And so instead we've seen a lot of, of blaming, a lot of pivoting. And meanwhile, people are still poisoning their children, unfortunately, because there's nowhere else to, you're being told that your water is clean. So you put your kid in the tub and the kid still comes out with rashes on his skin. That's not even your fault. You're being told that your water is clean when it's not. So the problem is being perpetuated there. Um, And that's just one example, but, what a governor has the jurisdiction to do is to act, if you're imagining Lansing being like a mini Lansing, they play the the executive role, the role of the president. So any bill that gets passed through our state house and our state senate end up on the governor's desk, just like it ends up in the president's desk. And so even if they were not active in drafting that legislation, they have the power to veto it. And so a lot of people forget that when you don 't meet you don 't catch the bill when it 's in it 's infancy when it 's in committee, and then you don 't catch it when it 's on the floor or when it 's being voted on. You can still catch it and you can still call the governor and urge that person to vote or to not or to vote to to sign or not to sign that legislation um, so they can push their own agenda, but at the end of the day they 're where the bill stops at the very end, and so there 's a lot a lot of power in in that position and they of course get to choose their cabinet, the people that surround them, and, and make a, a, a big impact on what the culture is like in Lansing and, and in Michigan as a whole. So the governor is going to be a huge, a huge seat to fill. Um, they also bring with them a lieutenant governor, which is like the role of a vice president. Um, so eat both of the any of the candidates that are running for office are also running with a lieutenant governor candidate with them. Um, and the Secretary of State is a position that I learned a lot about because I worked on a Secretary of State campaign eight years ago. Um, it's not just where you go get your driver's license. It's not just that DMV office that we have to go and wait in line at um, at least once a year. They're actually the guardians of our entire elections process. So in Michigan, the DMV and the, the elections are, are all in one, and that's what our Secretary of State um, is... Responsible for. So when we have problems with modernizing and making more efficient this whole voting process that we're talking about, there's one office dedicated to that and we get to elect them. And unfortunately, the person who's been there for eight years has not done enough to advance um, our elections. She's fixed the website a little bit. You might notice that you can now uh, reserve times at the Secretary of State branch office when you go to make an appointment. So she's made a couple of advances that have at least gotten some positive reaction. Um, But there are candidates now who are offering a 30-minute guarantee in and out of a secretary of state branch office. And that's the type of thing, again, like I said, you'll find that out if you're following these campaigns, if you're sort of listening in on what they're doing. Um, but the secretary of state's office, they deal with uh, with voting and also with licensing um, and, and driving issues. And then finally, on the, the statewide level, the attorney general mm. You all know what that is. Right. Because that's that's who's going to make a lot of decisions that affect uh, the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. that affect how laws affect families all across the state. And if we're electing an attorney general who is anti-black man, who is pro-privatization, who is anti-restorative justice, um, who is anti-woman, who is... Any number of things, uh, which they're all making very clear in their campaigns, let me tell you. I was
1: just about to ask you, because you (laughs) mentioned uh, looking at who some of these candidates are promoted by, Mm -hmm. who they are hanging out with, the things that they're talking about. You even mentioned that some of them are going live. So Mm -hmm. can you go even into more detail on how these candidates are aligning themselves, and how you can figure that out more, like the deeper rooted things.
4: So, well, I in the primary we had a lot more options. That was on August sixth. Um, by the general election, we have weeded. All of these positions down to um, one representative per party. So there is, for each of these positions, there's a candidate on the ballot for the Republicans, for the Democrats, for the Green Party, for the Libertarian Party, any other party that shows up on the ballot. Um, So that makes it a lot easier to know sometimes what how people align on the different issues and it makes it easier to look them up and to learn about them. Because I work with a nonpartisan organization, I can't go too deeply into each of the campaigns, but if you just Google every single one of those positions, it'll Top it'll up. it'll it'll show that for you. And again, it's Michigan no, sorry. M I .gov slash vote is where you can look up your polling place and download a sample ballot. So when you look at that sample ballot, um, if you're looking online, most uh, all of the positions, you can click on the name and it takes you right to their campaign website. Um, And I, I highly recommend looking at that because if someone only knows how they feel about politics nationally but haven't really thought about it locally... I mean, Barack Obama just did a wave of endorsements yesterday. They mm-hmm. came out um where he endorsed a lot of candidates in Michigan. Um, President Trump has endorsed a lot of candidates in Michigan. We've got people who like Joe Biden has been through Michigan raising money. Michelle Obama has been through here um a lot of people on the national sphere are coming into states because they know how important it is to pass policies at the local level. And I think that's where we really need to step up our game because corporations on the corporate agenda are very well aware that the most important and the most influential pol- policies are passed at the statewide level. Like we know right to work that happened under Governor Snyder. Mm. Can um,
3: you just explain right to work? Because um right to work actually um, was to combat... The unions. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, um, mm. as you know, from your professional standpoint, could you kind of just break that down for folks?
4: Yeah. So the tradition of union bargaining in Michigan has been such a stronghold in not only our, our labor history, but also in our political involvement. And so where one side of the aisle has really had the influence of corporations, of millionaires and billionaires driving their agenda. Traditionally in Michigan, the other side was often influenced by labor unions because we were the automotive state. Most people belonged to a union. Um, that was a way in which they got information. They would hold meetings. They would hold rallies. They would endorse candidates. They would put money into political packs and support candidates. And so in Michigan, which it happened in other states, but because of the workforce here, it was especially powerful. We had this little epicenter of politics coming out of our factories, which you didn't have that in other workplaces, but it became very powerful, so much so that the other side had to start attacking where it hurt, and it started to hurt in those unions at the, price, at the place where they are... Raising and uh, and and gathering money to put into the political system, and so by uh, starting to strip away where unions get their money, which is union dues, so now they don't come out automatically from your paychecks as people had elected to do in the in previous generations. Um, you start to strip down collective bargaining where it's allowed to happen, where it isn't, and then in 2012. Yes, I think it was 2012. Um, We actually had collective bargaining rights make it all the way to the ballot with Proposition 2. And voters came out and had the option to decide um, did they want to codify and secure collective bargaining rights on the ballot or not. And that upset the administration at the time, which was Governor Snyder's, to such an extent that the legislature immediately passed uh, Right to Work, which is a misnomer. Right to Work sounds like it's good for workers, it's good for labor, um, but it's the complete opposite. And what it did was strip unions of their rights. Um, and and most importantly, the, now that we've seen the effect of that, it's been six years, it has stripped them of political power and of the machine that had been used for so many years to engage blue- blue-collar workers um, across the state and to get candidates that support workers' rights um, from getting elected and from winning. So that's an example of something And And what
3: it looked like, you know, on the ground was that um, where the unions were able to negotiate um, and, and had already had many, you know... Um, Had already had many, uh, what should I say, policies in place, Mm -hmm. right? Union policies in place around things like when you can have a break or how long your break should be, you know, and what time, or um, when you should have a lunch. Um, Or a dinner or a breakfast, right, within a shift or how long a shift could be, um, how you should be treated um, if you have a more dangerous job. So like things like emissions or like what chemicals you are not allowed to be exposed to or um, the conditions of the space in which you work or. Um, different things around the way that um, your employer uh, can communicate with you, mm-hmm. um, that they, mm-hmm. they need to inform you of, um, you know, they have, they have to speak to you a certain way or they have to give you certain information or you're allowed to be involved in this entire process. So with the unions, um, the worker, there, there had been a lot of work done so that the worker actually had more power Right. And, and not only just more power, but they made more money. Exactly. They made more per hour. They they received all their benefits. They fought for the benefits, you know, because we're talking about no child labor, no slave labor. We're talking about things like, uh, it, you know, depending on what type of job you have. But, you know, you have to um, be in compliance with these um federal yeah, federally regulated organizations like the EPA, mm-hmm. you know, and just 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 things like that. And so what Right to Work did was basically say, look, you don't have to be certified. You don't have to um, qualify for anything. You... um um, employers don't have to adhere to like any sort of standards or rules. They don't have to treat you fairly. They can treat you however they want to treat you. They can pay you whatever they want to pay you. You have to do, you have to just go to work and do the job as is and you're vulnerable. So like if you get hurt, that's on you. You have a right to work. If you, if, if, if that certain job was paying like 50, $75 an hour, um, full-time and then let's say you had like a decent benefits package right um now that job is paying like you know twelve dollars an hour and it's a part-time and the person may or may not Um, be qualified right or certified or whatever to do the job and so basically like you were saying when they would say oh you have a right to work they were promoting it it sounded really cute because it came during michigan or detroit's economic downturn when the auto industry was failing or Mm. when it you right and so what happened was they started laying off all well they always lay off they've been laying off people for you know that's how they do right that's how they recoup is lay people off but previously like say the 80s and the 90s and the 2000 and early 2000s they had been laying people off but then people knew cuz you know you have cousins and stuff mm-hmm. they'll get laid off and then they're like oh i'm going back to work so they kind of take it as like i'm just going on vacation for like right. <laughs> mm-hmm. these couple 6 months it until was never they come like back a, yeah Right. Mm -hmm. But then what happened during this right to work period, when they when they enacted that policy, basically, you lost your job like you lost your income. Mm -hmm. So imagine all the people that have been in Detroit and the surrounding cities for all this time that were not only auto workers, but these other businesses connected Mm -hmm. to auto industry. Right. Yeah. With, you know, decent paying jobs like being paid livable wage. Uh, with benefits, with full benefits packages, able to send their kids to college, able to purchase a home, able to travel, able to live, you know, get education and do all these things, Um, now you had whole droves of families, you know, um, getting into this into into uh insurmountable debt because they were lo- they were losing their homes to foreclosures because they were coupling that they were like coupling that with like the whole housing scheme mm-hmm. that went on with the foreclosure schemes and so in Detroit and the surrounding areas it was hit like a double triple quadruple hard because not only were they doing that but they were shutting off people's water and they were poisoning people with water and they were closing the schools and so all they put all these policies on top of each other and so when you're when you're sinking and you're like oh my god I used to have a house I used to have my car I used to you know be able to do these things and then someone and you were making 50 an hour 75 an hour and then um you know your your family is struggling and then you know or maybe your kid just graduated from college and you lost your job but then the plan says we'll hire your son for like 12 dollars an hour and you have no income Right. So it kind of tore people apart. That's how it looks. Right. You know what I'm saying? When we talk about policies, like that's how it looks on the ground. It like tore people apart because people were like, shoot, all this stuff is happening to me. I need money coming in. I can't afford to be here and then be like, oh, I'm a hold out for the union Mm -hmm. um, when the union is struggling. Because they don't have union dues. Right. So they're not as powerful as they used to be. So it's like this conundrum of like turning in a circle. So then it's like, how do you convince people to say, hey, you got to hold out because you got to hold out for the union. And it's like, hey, look at all these insurmountable bills and stuff. I'm I'm sinking right now. Like I need something. So I'm about to take this $12 an hour with no benefits. And maybe, you know, I'm going I'm to lose my home. I got to go get this apartment. You know what I'm saying? I used to have a decent car, Just get me a hoopty. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to leave my home that I built and I'm going to just get me a little apartment in the suburbs. And I'm going to change my lifestyle. And so that is what has allowed the feeding ground or that's what created the barrenness mm-hmm. within the city because people are like, I need to leave. So then when people are making this stuff up, like, oh, people just left. When they created these conditions that forced people out of homes that they owned for years and years and years to go rent because they were pushing that on people too. It was better the rent and the own because they were there was a development bubble. So now they're pushing that. Right. So now they're pushing people to the margins and pushing them into the suburbs. And that is what allowed for the gentrification to come so strong into the city, because then it allowed all these developers. Right. Because they were marketing it as look at these stupid black people that were in power, that ruined the city, that made bad decisions. You could come here and it's a blank slate. And you can get uh, properties for a dollar because these people don't know what they have. And you know what I'm saying? That's what allowed for mm-hmm. the development and gentrification to come in as strongly as it has come in. And so while people were literally dying and literally losing everything and unable to hold everything together, there were other people that had lots and lots of means that were that were X amount of money to purchase a building uh, and fix it up was nothing to them,
4: and it was all part of the strategy. It was all. It part wasn't of the strategy. accidental that those pieces all. of the puzzle came together. Everything you described from the beginning of the crumble of the auto industry all the way to the mass gentrification that we have now that was yep. all part of the yeah, strategy. All of it. And we were through in the policy. Room. We were not in the room when they were making any of those decisions.
3: That's all. And and that's you know I hate to be long winded, but I always am. But my point is that all of that is policy. Mm -hmm. So, and when, like I said, when people say, I don't vote, it doesn't impact me. Those are people that were impacted whether they voted or they didn't vote. So, people in the city Mm -hmm. are still impacted whether they vote or whether they don't vote. So, imagine if more people were just more engaged and were able to interface and interact and engage to a point where they get to understand, like, what's wrong with the policy, mm-hmm. why they don't want a policy or where they do want a policy, why they don't want a candidate, why they do want a candidate. that's And, 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 and it is more, uh, you do have more of an impact on the ground because you get to see these people. I see my city council at the gym. You know what I'm saying? I I go to city council meetings. Yes. And you know, I'm just one of those kind of nerdy people where where I know every single city council I know every single nerdy, seated city council person right now. You know why? Because not only do I go to city council meetings, but I see them around the I see them I you. around.
1: Mm-hmm. You
3: know what I'm saying? And and I and and they know me. And when they see me they're like, "Hey, Pipe, what's up?" And I'm like, "Hey, what about this? What about that?" And they're like, "Okay," Come, you know, mm. come see me, come check. You understand what I'm saying? That that's that's what you can do when you when you're able to, you know, be on a local level. Can you imagine? Like, I'm going to DC uh tomorrow and these next few days to like, you know, protest against Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. But I highly doubt that I'm gonna get to go to Kavanaugh and be like, bro, what were you thinking? Like you I need some therapy. Mm-hmm. You understand know what I'm saying? Like, because
4: <laughs> it's not even about him; it's about the system. So let's it's about that. the system. But you made me think of something really important, and I want to okay. totally punt it over to Brittany because you are the voice mm. of millennial Detroit. You are who we're yes. trying to reach. Um, but I think it's on us as activists and as community organizations to get to those non-voters because I think it's just like the the politicians. If we're not after our elected official, someone else will be. Well, if we're not engaging yeah. these voters, someone else is going to crack that code. Someone else is going to come in giving away free shoes, giving away free rides on the queue line or whatever games they have to play, and they're going to buy votes because yeah. we're not far off With from that. With candy trinkets. They haven't needed black folks yet. But as soon as they realize that they need them, they're going to go mm-hmm. into communities and they will yeah. drag them to the polls. It's right around the corner. And it's if, right
1: it's, it's happening right now. Exactly.
4: So yeah. if we're not the ones educating people and and yeah. building that power and showing people how to build power for themselves, I think we're going to be in some real trouble.
1: Mm. I have okay, so with um people you mentioned, the people who realized that they needed to negotiate with Barack Obama. So, what are your opinions on I feel like a lot of people are ignorant to the political system, it's from a sense like myself, on the powers of the things that they can do on a local level, just like from Piper's perspective. Like I know for city council, like on C they have C SPAN on on a broader scale, but you can watch city council stuff, city city council stuff and you don't have to have cable. Like you mm-hmm. can watch like all those different things. Yeah, they have it on YouTube. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I've seen it. You <laughs> know what I mean? And I from there, from there, if you were to even watch, like, I didn't even know. Like, I watched them approve, like, something with a fair, And I'm like, they do this kind of stuff? <laughs> like, and so it got me intrigued. But I guess the point I'm—the the overall point I'm making is, is that, like, you got a lot of people who don't understand the things that they can do. And then all they use is emotions, even on the back end, for things that they technically can be emotional about, like Donald Trump. And I'm not trying to get to—I know you— You know, you can't speak too heavily on things, but like hate, hate, hate and good, good energy, protesting, whatever it may be. But what are your thoughts on even from that perspective of when you talk about there being emergency people who get into office when they shouldn't have got into office, Mm -hmm. Donald Trump getting into office off the electoral college, things like that. So once these people that we don't agree with are in office, what are the lines of negotiation, Mm -hmm. that thin line of negotiation and hate like. You know what I mean? The other end of that.
4: Yeah. I think that's an awesome question because I'm like you. I open my Facebook and just about once a day I see someone sounding off on Facebook Live. And I agree with every single thing that they're Mm -hmm. saying. But at the end of the day, they sign off. And did we really advance anything on the subject? So it's how do we channel the, the massive frustration and pain? There's so much pain that we experience and that I definitely internalize in the work that mm. I do on a daily basis. But how do we channel that into building power? And that's what it is at the end of the day. We don't have to each become experts on policy. We don't have to each become experts on how to run elections or how to build machines that optically scan a ballot. We don't have have to be in all of those rooms. What we have to do is build collective power and show collective power Mm. so that when we do have a candidate that we all support and we agree with and we think is viable to win, that we can turn out numbers that no one has ever seen. So I can use an example that a lot of people talk about um, Mike Duggan people are either for or against Mm -hmm. the mayor of Detroit. and a lot of people in his defense will turn around and say, well, he got 70% of the vote, so black folks must love him. And I draw people a little pie chart when I see that because he might have gotten 70 or whatever the number was, percent of the vote um, versus Coleman versus write-ins on that day. So you, build, you draw that little pie chart. But then you draw another circle, and you show that the people who voted for Mayor Duggan are a little sliver mm-hmm. 10% of the city of Detroit That's crazy. because the city did not come out to vote. And so when you start to take that perspective, then you see if we had only taken a fourth of that pie and gotten it excited and gotten it out to vote, we could have elected anybody. And so it's about not necessarily getting all wrapped up in what's happening right now, but having the Discipline to sit back and look ahead. Because let me tell you that rich white folks are not upset about what's happening today. They're already looking ahead to their mm-hmm. money and to their power 10 Always years, 20 years been. ahead. And they groom their kids to think that way. Their kids feel powerful since age five. And they know that they're going to school so that they can become this and then they can jump through all of this and end up here. And we're so busy experiencing and living and surviving and carrying trauma and carrying mm. pain and carrying struggle that. Oftentimes, communities of color don't have the opportunity mm-hmm. to have that foresight. So, disciplining ourselves to think ahead and think, thinking that, you know what, we might lose this and this mm-hmm. and this, but our long game is over here. I like that. We want to take back the state house, or we want to take back the, the mayor's seat, or we want to take back the governorship, but knowing that we're going to lose stuff along the way... Building that collective power, getting people excited, not right now in November. We're almost too late. We're cramming for the test. It is 35 days until the election. And if we're trying to convince people that democracy works now, we probably won't get them Understood. by November 6th. But if we wake up on January 1st, no matter who's getting inaugurated into the governorship and into all of these other positions, and if we get into our communities and our church basements and our radio stations and whatever clubs or block clubs we meet in. And if we start talking now about, well, let's just, you know, now that we're we're calm, we're not busy, we're not frantic, let's make a list of things we want to see in our ideal community. Mm. Things that would please us, things that would heal us, things that would help us, things that would elevate us. And then- work with people like us at Michigan Voice or other organizations who might have that perspective on how you build a strategic plan and work towards that. Raise money for it. Figure out who you need to bring into your circle to build that power. And then I think all we have to fight against then is this urge to compete with each other because you'll notice this Kavanaugh hearing has been the perfect example this week that we're over here crying over who said what and what said who and... In the, just the city of Detroit, our organizations and our organizers cannot get along. Our churches cannot get along. Our black clubs, our whatever, we're all fighting for resources because we've been convinced that we are in a place of scarcity. And to some extent, we are. But to another extent, mm. we just need to turn that around and look at the numbers from far away and see how powerful we could be. Because while we're over here fighting each other, Republicans who 100% know that guy did it and 100% feel bad for that woman and feel bad for their own daughters and their own wives and whatever, they're going to plow him through because they know that is the best for their power and their agenda. And in order for them to continue to hold power, he was the piece of the puzzle that they needed. Mm. And so they're not going to flinch. He will 100% be confirmed, and he's going to 100% carry out whatever agenda he came to be. And so one thing that we do is we get distracted when we feel like the giant is too big to fight, we fight each other, and that's very mm. common. That happens with your siblings. That happens mm. with your friends. That happens in every setting. But we need to start seeing what from their playbook we can mimic. I don't want to yes, mimic ma'am. oppressive structures in any imagination. But there are certain things that they do. Where they come together under a common goal, and so and just
1: that, just not to cut you off. Go for but it. but what you are doing and what it is so powerful, like because this is to me for those people who have fell back from voting this is the type of stuff that will get you excited like that Gatorade in the third quarter mm-hmm. like seriously because you're talking about tactics you're talking about strategy and using content foundation not emotion not tradition it's not about that it's not about you tradition to an extent you know what I mean? You have to you have to know where you come from. You have to know what you're talking about. I'm talking to myself. But with all that being said, being able to take that and to craft it in what is needed for not 2018, maybe for 2020, maybe. Because exactly. really the strategy is probably already built. Shoot, the strategy is already built through twenty two from looking at from the industry I'm I'm familiar with, which is the elevator industry, that the market is already built mm-hmm. and decided. From 16, it was decided. Mm -hmm. So just imagine on the levels of, you know, of the stuff you and Piper can speak so well about. You know what I mean? But you are giving people a way to think, not swaying them. And that is so powerful. And that is what I feel like my generation needs is to have things broken down on a level where it can apply not just to politics, but it can apply to everything. You know what I mean?
4: And it's all about. Like I said, meeting people where they're at, but Mm. also being that voice. So I just love that the Women in Hip Hop and the Hip Hop Caucus are taking democracy reform and voting rights and civic engagement into the work that they're already doing because you're able to meet people in a mm. place where we Lacey and I can act as, as hip as we think we are, and <laughs> we're not going to reach certain people, mm. and that's okay. But we are a resource to organizations that have a certain audience mm. and that already have a certain rapport with people. And if we can say, hey, these, these laws are coming up, maybe, maybe – think of some people you could talk to about them and then you all can package it in however way you want. I am so surprised how just in the last year listening to, sometimes I take a break from political stuff and I'm just listening to the regular radio on my way to work or on my <laughs> way home and I'll hear Charlemagne the God talking about politics and right. I, and he'll be talking about something really specific that's coming up or when, when it was the primary election day in Michigan, all the Detroit stations were saying, oh, you got to go out to vote, go here, this is the website, this is that. And I was so impressed by that. Mm. And so One thing I would say, we do have a hotline that we use on election day for voters to call in if they're being turned away, if they can't find their polling location, if they're being intimidated, Um, for whatever reason, they they need help. And that's 866-OUR-VOTE. O-U-R-V-O-T-E, and that gets routed right into our call center where we actually have attorney volunteers who will be going out into the field and uh, helping to defend the right to vote on Election Day. So anything that folks need, any questions, if you can't find where you're supposed to vote, what you need to take with you, um, if you're forever, for whatever reason, told that you cannot vote, um, call 866-OUR-VOTE. And that's the sort of thing that's really easy for people to say, add it to your literature if you're handing stuff Mm. out. Uh, push it out on Facebook, say it on the radio, um, because that'll make sure that not only we get people help on election day, but we're going to record all the incidents that come into us Mm. so that then we can start actually showing trends in election problems. Like, we had a lot of language barriers happening in Hamtramck. People have no idea how many languages are spoken in Hamtramck. I am surprised every time it gets laid out for me. But there's no way to have ballots printed off in all of these languages, so people need assistance to go in with them, and that's perfectly legal. So we get calls like that. We get calls like in Dearborn, there were poll workers who were demanding that women take off their covering and fully expose their face in order to vote, and that's not the law at all. So we're able to send attorneys in, in defense of these women. So... Any problem that people have, 866-OUR-VOTE, it's important for us to gather information of what's going wrong so that we can make sure that poll workers are trained the right way. Mm. Um, You can always apply to be a poll worker at the Detroit City Clerk's Office with Janice Winfrey. Um, There's not much time left, but that is a paid position on Election Day, um, and they will train you and get you working behind the desk at the polls. It's really important that we have folks of color in those positions so that we make sure that they look like the community that's coming in to vote, that we've got young folks that know how to use so that we can get in and out of there as fast as we can um, people who can be on their feet all day definitely apply um, at the city clerk's office to do that
3: so okay so then thank you for that so then let's talk about um the the policies that are up that are just coming up these the the ones that you're like so the
4: ballot initiative yeah are there three or more than three have are they still toying with those
1: i don't know all i think I- the
4: absentee ballots are out so they should be set Okay, But I know that they, and again, I'm, I can't endorse or, or dissuade Understood. anyone. No, we but just, just
3: want to know what they are. So one yeah. of
4: them is uh, on voting rights. So there is a group of people, group of organizations with the ACLU and a lot of our partners who are trying to get some of the voting... Uh, Rights laws that I discussed that other states have that Michigan has fallen really far behind on in making uh, voting more fair and more accessible and more secure uh, to voters. So there's a lot of policies in that. Um, They've got it on, I wish I had their website in front of me, I apologize. Um, But the campaign is called Promote the Vote and they will be on the ballot. Uh, You can vote to add um, voters rights legislation into law, and that's going to make voting more fair and accessible and secure. Um, everything from registering to vote online to making sure that, uh, military and overseas Americans get their ballots on time. Um, so they've got a whole bunch of policies in there. Um, another one has to do with redistricting. Um, that campaign is called, um, Voters, not politicians. And currently, the way that our district lines are drawn, which that designates whose. Uh, district you're in, who your representative is, sort of the actual lines drawn around your house on a, on the map um, for both state house, state senate, and congressional districts. Um, that's currently decided by politicians. So they, the people who are in Lansing, actually get to uh, draw those lines on the map themselves. And what this group feels is that that is the reason why people are drawing themselves directly into power year after year. So Mm. that process should be taken away from the hands of politicians and put in the hands of uh, everyday people. So there would be an independent commission chosen uh, through a rigorous process where Michiganders could apply to be part of that um, and then actually oversee the redistricting process that happens every 10 years. Um, So that's going to be on the ballot. Their campaign, again, is called Voters Not Politicians. They've got all kinds of material on
1: And that's powerful because that sounds like more like what you're what you're saying. We can that that's a a way in, more of a way in.
4: Exactly. That would ideally, if what they are proposing um, is actually how it plays out, that would be a way for people's voices to be heard because it wouldn't be a politician choosing who their voters are, but it would instead be voters more fairly choosing who their politicians are. So that's been a really interesting campaign mm. to watch unfold. Um, and then the probably the most popular that people know about um, campaign is around marijuana legislation and making that uh, legal in Michigan. I'll admit this is the one I probably know the least about. I heard that it did not de- decriminalize, de-incarcerate, or expunge, and so I kind of rolled my eyes and walked away. Um, that said, it's not important to be a complete cynic um sometimes politically speaking i recommend that we hold out until we get that perfect uh reform Mm. other times you can't do that you got to kind of take take what you get and Mm. and and Build power from there, mm. so um, I I'm not weighing strongly either way on that, um, but it should definitely get an interesting electorate out to vote because mm. um, strategically, marijuana legislation is put on the ballot in years when they don't think young folks are going to vote, when they don't think folks of color are going to come wow. out to vote, and so um, we'll see if that if that works. Um, it'll be really interesting, I think. But is- looking forward, I mean, that's an opportunity where you can say, okay, we're going to vote for this, but on day one, we're going to be in our legislator's office talking about how important it is to expunge the records of people who have weed felonies uh-huh. or how unfair it is for only white folks to get to open these legal dispensaries because by majority they don't have weed felonies and so a person in Detroit who maybe has a weed felony or maybe is trying to go legitimate maybe they have an underground operation mm. They're trying to make it right but they can't because this the legislation says It's funny
1: you say that because when money. I was reading the proposal that's one of the things I was looking for it's like okay our I- is this stuff going to go away for people that have been right. caught up
4: in this? But And I will say, uh, other states that have gone through this process, like California, for mm-hmm. example, um, they have spent a lot of energy after mm. the uh, law was passed on going back through and working on how do we expunge these people? How do we sort of retroactively help mm. people who are serving time uh, or who have served time for weed offenses? So it'll be interesting. And mm. I think, again, it, it's going to be up to us. It's going to be up to whoever else we elect um, statewide they're going to be the ones making decisions on this, um, but that would that could really change uh, a lot of lives in, in places like Detroit, taking a, an underground economy that a lot of people rely on because you can't get other jobs when you come home, or you can't get other jobs when you leave high school, or you have to support a family or whatever. Uh, when you take that out from an underground sphere and make it legitimate, yet don't include those same people, there's going to be a pretty big void in the urban economy. So how are we going to fill that? Are we going to make sure that people have access Mm. to more jobs? Are we going to make sure that there's not an easy route to a more dangerous underground economy?
1: I'm glad you said that. Cause over the weekend I had a friend that was telling me that, uh, there are a group of people, I don't know the name of the group that are getting together to start looking at investment portfolios. So I would say if you're a person that is interested in voting for this, also take a look at where it helps you out on a on a personal level. Just like Mm -hmm. she's saying, don't just, you know, go to vote just because it's something that you want to recreation, you know, do record, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say. I'm losing my words, but see what see what you can get out of it on the the other end. There are a lot of people that are starting to, to try to fill that void.
4: People are gonna uh, cash in, yeah, for sure, and so. make sure it's not just corporations because they're looking at this just like any mm-hmm, other farming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. crop. But how can we maximize it? Yeah, in well, the community, inside that, the
1: community, you well, can invest. That, uh,
3: think it's important to to like uh, stay ahead of it mm-hmm. because once things become regulated, okay. then that's when they can start doing things. Well, they're already starting to do. Um, like start to introduce chemicals to say, exactly. oh, this is how we regulate this, right? Understood. And so when um, when you go into the dispensaries and things, where so let's say if someone has a license, right, you can have a license to be a caregiver, or you can uh, you know have a license to smoke, right, mm-hmm. or to partake. And so um, as a before, right, because they changed again the policy. Right. Because before uh, we saw many, many more people being able to open up a dispensary, being able to uh, become, I want to say, somewhat legal and be licensed. But now that they've changed this, like you said, they've basically forced people who had spent a lot of money on getting licensed in the first place, had invested Mm -hmm. a lot of money in going through the process, the previous process, according to the policy that was in place. So you had a lot of people gotcha. who um I'm I'm trying to choose my words because I don't want to use words that um criminalize people. Mm. But I just but maybe what I'll say is you had a lot of people who went through the process that was in place according to the previous policy. Understood. Mm-hmm. And you had and those same people invested not only just a lot of money But, um, you know, being out front to say, this is my business now, right? Understood. Um, And maybe leaving some other things to, like, you know, invest in this because it takes time to, like, you know, invest in a business and build the business up. And people were about a decade in, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is pretty much that's that's a a chunk of time. Mm -hmm. And by the policy being changed, now many of those people— would now be considered criminal.
1: Understood. They, they're now criminalized. Understood.
3: That is policy, and right. that that I just I just I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm saying that's how important, right? Like really. Looking at policy and understanding policy and local policy and how it impacts you, because think of think of all those people. I know lots of them. I know lots of people who were like, OK, I'm going to marijuana college. OK, I've you know, I've licensed to become a caregiver. OK, I've invested in these plants. Oh, you know what? I was able to, you know, uh, build this out. And, you know, I got my lights and, you know, they did a lot of things. And then now they can't even like be in business. Right. And but they're stuck with all this stuff, so it's like, right. what do they do? And they can't go forward because because they changed the policy, they don't quote unquote qualify. Right. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. And so, like you said, now the only people who actually qualify are people who basically, really, to you know, have other choices. Let's just put it that yeah. way, right? <laughs> yeah, they so, were never
4: part of the underground <laughs> they economy. They
3: were never part of underground economies, right? So, so. With that, I'm looking at it more like, okay, well, people are fighting to get recreation recreational on the ballot, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say that it's gonna be even more important the more quote unquote legal that things like food and drugs are that you pay attention to stuff because just like Monsanto, everything Monsanto's doing is air quotes legal. Yep, understood. Is it moral? Is it good for you? Is it harmful (laughs) to you? Right? And so I'm saying that to say that the way that we looked at marijuana, like, previously, Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's an herb, it's natural. Like, with this marijuana game, especially as they're legalizing it, and especially as the government is getting involved to, like, do this regulation, they're going to be the ones that are going to regulate, like, how much of whatever chemical needs to be in place for it to be something that they would consider um certifying. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Or something that they would consider putting their stamp on. And that is super dangerous. Agreed. Because you know and I know I agree. if we just look to Tuskegee experiments, mm-hmm. like this government has nothing good in terms of uh I mean it it look our government is like pro Monsanto. Yep. You understand what I'm saying? yes, like they get all the leeway they get you know they get to do whatever they freaking want to do, they could plant their GMOs everywhere, ruin the soil, ruin people. Mm-hmm. My sense was like murdering farmers, like it's in a documentary, so I'm not being like you yeah, know slanderous my dad's a okay, so it's like <laughs> you know what I'm saying, so like I'm just saying like looking at even these policies, like it's like, oh well, you know, um, I could take it or leave it, like think about how many people. That this could actually employ. Think of how many people that this could actually, like, empower. Think of how many people that are struggling right now who could actually be entrepreneurs, be in business. Because, I mean, the cannabis industry is not just smoking weed. It's not at all. You know what I'm saying? There's so many other aspects to it. And so, I'm just saying with that, you know... uh, all of my churchy churchy people and religious people it 's not just about people trying to you know be in a weed business and so that everyone 's high, mm-hmm. like that scene in the whiz you know <laughs> what I mean when I went to the poppy field like it's actually do you know what i'm saying like yes. a way for, for a way for folks. You know, to, to be entrepreneurs, to, like, be in business, to be able to send their kids to college, to be able to purchase homes, and to become um, invested members in, in society. I didn't want to say productive members in society. I would say, mm. like, invested members in society. Mm. So, anyway, I would just say that I know you can't say too much, like, do it or not. But I'm just saying it in a sense of when we're thinking about policy and how it impacts people. Yes. Po- these policies impact people in such real ways. Yes to 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 how they make their living to how they're able to to eat to like what you know what's allowed to be in your food supply to you know what the water you know what I mean that, yes. that you know just every aspect of you just being able to live your life these policies are put in place because there is a larger agenda And the larger agenda is, you know, wants to have population control Hmm. because the larger agenda is looking at it like these black and brown and poor people are, quote, I'm going to put air quotes around their words, useless eaters. Hmm. And so when we're looking at it in that way, the policies that they're going to put in place, the the, the elites or the one percent or shoot, I'll just say like anyone that you know what I'm saying, is 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 making enough money so that they don't even have to think about um, their livelihood in that way, right? I'm with you. Okay, and, and, and they're going to look at policies that are like, okay, these policies are good for us. And you could talk to your blue in the face to them to say, but do you understand how that's harming these other people? And the philosophy is, I'm not concerned about those other people. I'm concerned about me. And so we've got to be about the business of being concerned about us. And we've got to be more concerned about being invested in understanding these freaking policies, because this is what we're really voting for or against. Right. Yes. It's, it's not a, I mean, I, I, it's not so much about that people died for your right to vote. It's that what you vote for or don't participate in voting for is still going to impact you whether you decide to be a willing participant or just a participant of of the unwilling.
4: People are dying now. That's the thing.
1: People are dying now.
4: Well, I'll vow to
1: take more directional looks at policies. That's awesome. Yeah, I vow to do that.
3: Yeah, it's not about people because that's the thing that people are too like. Oh, I don't like him or I don't like her. Voting is really more about the policies. It's
1: mm-hmm. the ch- it's the, it seems more and more and more and more and more like a chess game that yeah. everybody can has has
4: the potential to play. Republicans don't like Donald Trump. I'll tell you that, but they know mm. what building power is and they understand that and they mm. understand who they cater to. Um, so if I could say one last thing, it would be that the polls open at 7 a.m. and they close at 8 p.m. And if you are in line at 8 p.m., even if it takes you three hours to get into the door, as long as you're in line by eight, you have the right to vote. Um, and election day is on November 6th. You have the right to take an assistant in with you if you need help uh, for whatever accessibility, whether it's language, disability, um, even if you have low literacy and uh, you cannot read, um, you can use headphones there is an ADA machine uh, in each of the polling locations there's are supposed to be that will read you your ballot um, if you cannot see or if for whatever reason you can't read the ballot um, if there is any issue whatsoever at the polls if you get there and it's not open if you get there and they turn you away you can call 866 our vote and that will ensure that an attorney comes out or that someone on the phone helps you um, and I just really encourage people to advocate for yourselves. Many times poll workers give the wrong information just because they were improperly trained Mm. or they're tired. They've been standing there for 12 hours. Um, So be an advocate for yourself. You can vote with a felony, on parole, on probation. You do not need a photo ID. You do not need a driver's license to go to the polls. No matter what your condition is, don't let anyone tell you that foreclosure or water shutoffs or anything like that affects your right to vote. Um, As long as you have registered by October 9th, you're good to go
3: so uh one last thing uh brittany any yes. any any last things that millennials would wanna know or that um uh, Michigan voice should know like from millennials
1: um I would say, keep fighting a good fight just because of sitting here with you for what about a, a buck buck thirty mm-hmm. I've learned a lot um you know. I still, I still hold true to we have to—I I think I just mentioned Samantha's name in District 6, and I, I give her so much credit because we need to start thinking about the way we vote more strategically in the black community. I'm not saying that we should withhold our vote, but if there is a, a way that we can become more collective, which I know there's pockets of it, um, I think the Mexican community does a great job, and I'm not comparing communities because there are so many different reasons why each community is different, but— we are all brown and we should all be able to benchmark and learn from each other. And I think that the Mexican community does a great job. I think the Arab community does a great job. I think the black community does a great job. But I think that there are so many systematic things that go on um, in the black community that it, it, it can make it a little bit more cloudy. So I would say that uh, keep fighting a good fight. And the more you guys are out there pushing... um. The three dimensions of voting, and then not, it's probably more dimensions than that. But the different angles of voting and the different angles of policies that Piper broke down—like she gave like a double entendre, right? Quick of a proposal. I think that was eighteen three. I don't know. I was just looking at the stuff today. But thank you. It was awesome. Thank so, you so yeah, much yeah, I learned a lot, and I think that's what it's about—is being able to. um, for on my end to receive information, even when you have connotations, um, there's truth in everything, and there's more than just truth in what you're doing. It's very powerful, so mm-hmm. thank you.
4: Yep. This was dope. Thanks.
3: Yeah. So, anything that uh, you wanted to leave us with, or
4: I would just continue to encourage folks to build power when you lose faith, when it feels like your vote doesn't count, when it feels like your voice is not being heard, and stuff is just collapsing around you. Um, turn around and talk to your neighbor, then turn around and talk to your cousin, and then turn around and talk to your coworker, and you've already built collective power around the same issues. And just continue to build on that. Um, There's pockets of power all around the city, all around the state. you just got to tap into it. Um, And there's more than one common bond that we all have. Um, And folks who are still around today have... Ancestrally survived a lot, so I think we should take time to heal and reflect and meditate. Um, Do what do what you got to do, but know that there is a network out there. Um, Sometimes we just got to shine the light a little Mm -hmm. bit stronger so that we can find each other. Mm
3: -hmm. Thank you for
4: that. So yeah, that's Michigan Voice. Uh, Is it MichiganVoice.org? michiganvoice.us
3: dot us, US michiganvoice.us mm-hmm. okay that's good to know and um, thank you so much melanie for being with us on the piper carter podcast i do want to say um today is october the 2nd and it um was proof's birthday so um shout out to big proof r i p detroit hip hop history last week we had dj head on that gave, gave so- us so much history <sighs> And uh, the mayor of Detroit and of Detroit Hip Hop Mm. in a hip hop shop. Mm. So um, and then I also wanted to say that October is um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so there's going to be lots of events around your city, your country. Uh, You know, people listen to us from everywhere. Um, And so, you know, SAFE, S-A-F-E, um, Sisters Acquiring Financial Empowerment mm. is uh, an, an organization uh, to look out for, um, Kaelin Risker. So um, I think they have an event coming up on the 11th. And then you guys have an event, um, the People of Color Summit, where um, people are coming together. I believe it's on the 19th and 20th. Yes. At um, WC3, which is Wayne County Community College, and I believe they call it the Northwest Campus, Mm -hmm. and that's on Outer Drive, and um, that's basically, you know, people of color coming together. Could you just give us, like, a quick synopsis of that? Yeah,
4: we'll be talking about a lot of the stuff that we discussed today on the podcast learning about how we can better build power. It's not necessarily only rooted in this upcoming election. It's about how do we strategize? How do we think long-term as communities of color? What are our policy goals and needs? Um, and how do we get there? So we'll have really great panelists and trainers coming in from around uh, the state, around the country, who have experience building power in similar communities. We had our first People of Color Summit last year. and It went, I went really,
3: really well. It was
4: amazing. Did you Eight- Participate in the rap battle? No. That was on the last. It was very amusing. Uh, but we had people come in from places like Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where they've had to deal with a lot of the same issues. Mm-hmm. And they actually came out stronger as a community and have nice. a really aggressive policy agenda that they've all agreed to mm-hmm. um, in their community space. So we're learning from our neighbors. That's the most important thing is not to reinvent the wheel. We're not the first state or the first city to go through some stuff uh, yeah. so let's learn from each other and and I think the more that we can be in a space together and heal together um, and, and not feel like we gotta talk a certain way or dress or act a certain way um, making it a purely people of color space has been really powerful in the past so we're looking forward to it again it is on October 19th and 20th and the Michigan Voice Facebook page is going to probably have more information and registration links up there so I'm sure uh, Pipe will help Yeah.
3: And then also to the end of October, I want to get people excited. Um, There is uh, a campaign and it is a week of action and it's called um, No School Pushout. And it's um, schools, not prisons. And so organizations from all over the country are going to be doing a week of actions. And so um, I volunteer with um, Detroit Independent Freedom School. And so on October the 27th, we're actually going to do an education forum um, at the Charles H. Wright Museum, where we will um, be informing the community around many of these issues that are important to them as it relates to their, their youth and education, but also talking about being civically engaged and how you can um, learn more about what's going on with the water, or you know, what, or even just organizations that are doing um, various work. And so, um, if you want to participate, you know, uh, you could just talk about what's going on uh, in your community and just use the hashtag from October twentieth to the twenty eighth, and you could say no school pushout. Or um, schools, not prisons. There's another one, counselors, not cops. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, you know, us um, reclaiming education. And just like you said, it's basically reclaiming our power. And who in the community... are here and doing great work and building because you know uh, although you guys always hear me going and protesting against stuff I'm also a builder mm. so I'm also a part of a lot of organizations while I'm fighting against the system I'm also uh, working with lots of organizations and also building you know new systems and, and that's really what it's about that's the, the revolution you know what did Malcolm X say it's not about reforming that old system it's about tearing down that system and building something mm. new and that's so right. um, the reason I want you to come on here is because um you're passionate and you're incredible you're very knowledgeable and you're super cute and uh, you know so it's 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 fun you know like talking you know with you and listening and just learning Mm. and um being able to, you know, be in community and in struggle with people who are looking at solutions to what's going on and giving some tangible ways that people could be invested and involved in, in dismantling the system that's here. But also, you know, you've got to have like your we call it a just transition. Right. So you got to have like you've got your end game. Which is like your vision or your goal or your big picture. But at the same time, it's like you have to live your life. Mm -hmm. So what do you do in that in-between time? Mm -hmm. So for me, looking at like becoming more educated, you know, um, volunteering, um, you know, uh, like you said, helping, right? Sometimes you're not the one so-called leading right mm-hmm. in these positions like maybe you're you're ushering or supporting mm-hmm. or giving rides right maybe you can give people rides to the polling stations or maybe you could go to some of this voter education right that's going on lots of people are doing voter education around the city and you know you're learning about the candidates but that's the reason it's important to learn about the policies because you're not just voting for a candidate because they wear a nice dress and you like their hair and they live down the street you're voting for the candidate because they're the ones that are going to be able to be in that seat and fight for the policies that you're going to tell them that these are the policies that i need you to be fighting for me for so anyway i just want to put a period there and so with that um i really appreciate both of you guys being here thank oh you. of course
1: piper thank you yeah i was just about to ask her isn't it crazy how piper always finds a way to be near near the nearest solution like you know what i mean that's awesome i do Love i it. seek it out
3: <laughs> uh, I'm like uh, Grace, Grace Lee Boggs you know mm-hmm. I love Grace Lee Boggs right It'd be a solutionary mm. um, the hip hop Grace Lee yeah okay <laughs> so so with that um, speaking of solutions with women in hip hop so thanks for I think for the whole month of October yeah. probably for the rest of 2018 I had talked to Brittany about this I want to um Play because we play a lot of music in the top and in the end. Well, I'll say, like, when we have musical guests, we'll play their music. Mm -hmm. But when we don't have musical guests, when we have great guests like you, um, I think we want to play music off of our mixtape. And we have a women in hip hop mixtape that's different women um, with great messages. And so I think for this one, um, I want to play at the top. I'm going to play this young woman. Her name is uh, Princess. Princess is from um, Detroit. She's from an area code here in Detroit, Um, 48217. 48217 is uh, one of the most polluted um, zip codes, I think, in the country. Hmm. And so um, per capita, so let's say like if... um, when when it comes to, like, uh, EPA, like, regulations and things, they'll say, okay, um, this company is allowed to have, you know, 5% pollution in your community, and this company can have 10%, and this community can have 20%, right? But collectively, all of that is creating, like, 90% pollution in this one area, and so um, they've been fighting against Marathon, and Marathon is just one company. But it's a big, 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 big company. And so the fight is um, that they've been saying is that, um, um, you know, they, they meaning um, the powers that be, have been saying, well, we need Marathon in the community because they provide jobs. But Marathon is poisoning people. So per capita people have X amount of cancer. They're dying. They have yeah. uh, various diseases. And it's, it's so, but um, I want to shout out for Seven because they're in community and, and struggle with us. Mm. And Princess is from that community. Okay. And she's an MC. And she wrote a song and it's called You're Killing Me. Mm. And she made the beat and um, in the top, she talks about you know Governor Snyder and the water and poisoning Flint, but then talking about you're killing me and we can't breathe. And uh, you is that know, near
1: River Rouge? Is that going towards River Rouge? It is. It's okay. it,
3: it's it's um it's the most southwest. Okay. Of Detroit, and um it's it's like Delray, it's mm-hmm. like and basically it's the black part of Southwest. Understood. Mm-hmm. And historically, it was one of the strongholds of voter. Power wow. in Detroit, those were the people who got Coleman Young elected. Interesting. Not, not saying, I mean, everyone I, voted I see, for Coleman Young. I see what you're but saying. But in terms now. of political power. Mm-hmm. So those people were, were historically the people who were responsible for making sure that Coleman Young got elected. Understood. And, and so um So with that, um, I wanted to play her song. So that song's gonna open us up. And then I think, um, I, I was trying to think of, I'll probably keep like the one same song. at the end, and I love this song um, by Book Brown, and it's called Time Ticket, because I feel like we're on, like, a time thing. We have to do something. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, our time, time's up, (laughs) you know, uh, but yeah, so um, I'm I'm gonna end with that one, and that's Book Brown. She's amazing, MC from Detroit, Um, and she's just incredible. I've got to get her to this podcast okay but um yeah so we'll so we'll do those two top and bottom so yeah you've been uh thank you so much again yes. Melanie Michigan voice thank you Brittany for of being <laughs> our amazing dynamic token millennial to bring us Always. all this brilliance and help us understand what we're gonna do in our future and you have been listening to the Piper Carter podcast what's your email Piper at Detroit and what's yours Brittany at different dot com. Yeah, and so on social media you can go. Piper Carter. Brittany is a weird millennial. She doesn't do social media, but uh, wow. but and I am a weird Gen Xer in that I do social media like a Gen Z. You
1: use, <laughs> if you spent, if you have a thousand dollar iPhone, actually Apple. <laughs> can y'all please put Piper on a commercial? She will show y'all how to get every dollar out of your iPhone. Okay, thousand dollars. I like that. There it goes. Yeah,
3: I've been on iPhone since the (laughs) beginning. I've been on iPhone. I even got iPad. I even have an iMac. So, yeah, I'm i-everything. I mean, I know that that's... But
1: you use it. You use it. You use it, girl. I do. I use it to
3: phone. But, yeah, so um, social media, Piper Carter on Instagram, Twitter and facebook and yeah let us know like things that you want to talk about things that you're interested in we try to bring you guests that um are relevant and are amazing and give us lots of information and fun and interesting to listen to agree and i think we do that um shout out to all our listeners our listenership has been going up 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 Um, And shout out to everyone that's everywhere that's not Detroit, that cares about Detroit, that wants to listen to us and that, you know, tells us how much you love us. Um, And shout out to all our previous guests. We Mm. appreciate you for investing in the platform. And, yeah, so we'll see you next week. Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is
0: different. Remember to like. Share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit It's Different yeah. Podcast. No time like the present perception, is just it. Left back in the dust, the old us. It's a must, I bust, it's just too true Blues traveling, baffled in a dark space waiting on the spark, face forward, face down I can't drown, rock a crown full of crystal Got a pound and a pistol, got down just to get her, Get up and see it through Been a quitter, had to tick up on my next move Bless you, baby, oh shoot. Control cruise, bag lady, drop two Few feelings had my eyes welling Yelling, nigga, make it you Bake a few, had to step up on a steady groove Testimonial, I'm only on my own views i'm only on my own views check who chest moves baby bless you. bless you got a feeling if i wear it you can see it too unbelievable. unbelievable we unaccountable, unaccountable. insurmountable two cents the doubt i what you spit for me it just ain't meant to be got blessings in my pedigree you don't get it then just let it be it's relativity i'm boxing with the best in me the rest of me is just a dream this little light beam so when you see me let it ride to when you see me let it ride time ticking, stickin', taken stickin and sticking away. Stickin' away, way, stickin' the way. Don't let it catch you, sticking, slip slipping, step in the sway, way, away. away. You, slip and slip and the sway, way the time change. Time ticking, stickin', tickin' the stickin' away. Stickin' the sway, sticking it, stickin' away. Don't let it catch in the sway. Don't let it catch you, stickin', slip in the step the sway, wait, time change. Time change, time
4: change.